Do you feel like, you know, when you when you leave a, a competition, like, that chili shouldn't have won, you know? You ever feel that way? Like, that, that wasn't good chili. In case you're one of those people, wow. don't worry. It was a People's Choice Award. So you get to vote yourself. You get, you get a say in what's the best chili, and we got three prizes today. It's exciting, so... You don't have to go home and be like, oh, man, I might, this chili should have won. This was the best chili. You can actually vote for that chili. Yes, you can. Okay? So, you know, we, we know that judges are prone to be corrupt. <laughs> know that? We know that. We live, we live in a world where there's corruption everywhere. Sometimes it even creeps into the church. Oh, I know whose crockpot that is. Corruption. Start small. Oh, I saw them bring it in this morning. Yeah, it happens. It happens. But don't worry. You can defeat the corruption by casting your vote. Okay? You can be a catalyst for change. We're doing a series called Catalyst. Maybe it's a new word for you. I have a definition. It's a person or an event that quickly causes change or action. You can think of a catalyst uh, last weekend when one of the uh, defensive backs of the Seattle Seahawks said some things. And he caused a commotion. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people came out saying, hey, you got to be a graceful winner. Whatever. He's like, whatever. Yeah. Right? So a lot, we see all the time, we see things change quickly. We see attitudes change. We see situations change. It's always changing. But we're, gonna, we're talking about you being a catalyst for change. You making a difference for change. Going against the grain. Maybe going counterculture. Opposite of what you see. And you go a different route. Some, some college kids are known as hipsters. <laughs> you know, and if you grew up in the 80s, the hipster is a totally different meaning now. You know, it's not the cool guy, blends in, he has the latest clothes. Hipster goes the opposite direction of where everyone else is going. He, he does not like to blend in with the crowd. He wants to be unique. And so they're called the hipsters. So sometimes, you know, you, you study the Bible with them and you try to get them to, hey, we have to be a part of the fellowship. And they're like, no, I don't want to be like them. Yes, you must. You've got to be a Christian like everybody else. And so there's always a challenge with them. So everyone's trying to be different. Everyone's trying to cause a change. But we want you to be a spiritual catalyst in your life, at your job, at your home, with your children, out, out with your family. We want you to be a great catalyst. So today we're going to look at a figure in the Bible. His name is John the Baptist. Now, they didn't really call him John the Baptist back then. Well, they did, but they just called him John. They didn't know, hey, John the Baptist, they called him John. And what the history is behind this is that since, since the Old Testament had ended, if you, if you know the Bible and you're a Bible reader, it ends with the book of Malachi. And from Malachi up until John comes on the scene, there is actually no one that speaks about God from God. There are God guys who, who wrote stuff about God, but God didn't send them. In other words, there wasn't a prophet. Now, God sends prophets to people like you and me to proclaim what He wants you to do. Since the Bible wasn't written complete, God would use these prophets and He would tell you what God wants of you. And so for 400 years, there was nothing but silence. There wasn't a prophet. Can you imagine that? A long time. People were wondering, it's, what is God doing? Maybe it's been a long time since you ever read the Bible. Maybe it's been a long time since you've been to church. Maybe it's been 400 days since you've been to church. Maybe longer. Maybe it's just been something you haven't done in a long time. 
Maybe you've been, you've been thinking about God, wondering about God, but have never really come to a place where you can really encounter God. Maybe you haven't read the Bible in, in your life where you can read about men like John. And so this is a very important figure because he connects the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's a gap there, and he's considered the very last Old Testament prophet because Jesus is coming, and he has to prepare the way for the Messiah. What a mission. But he lives in a culture where everything became religious and rituals and the heart of God was lost. People just started doing the, doing, going through the motions about God but not really living for God. And so he has to rise up and speak God's truth to people who are in a position of, of leadership, but yet they aren't really obeying God anymore. They just go to church. They just know about God. They intellectually understand God. And that's kind of the background. You know, John had some very godly parents. His dad was a priest who served in the temple. And what a privilege it is to be a parent and be a Christian and raise your children with the, with the wisdom of God, as Clay talked about. With having the ability to, to infuse God's heart into your child. And seeing your child grow up and fall in love with God. You know, last week, we had we having a little morning devotions with my kids before they go to school. I read in Proverbs, just to kind of talk about it. And my son asked me this question, so Dad, how can you love, love God when we never see Him? And I was like, well, that's pretty deep, son. <laughs> Great question. Give me a minute. And I started to explain to him, the more you know and read about God, the more you fall in love with Him. The less you read about God, the less you know about Him, and the less you love Him. It's kind of like being in a marriage. The more you talk to your spouse, the more you feel like you're in love with them. The less you talk to your spouse, eh, whatever. Right? The moment your wife puts down, she opens her mouth to talk, whether it's at night at 12 o'clock or you're exhausted and she lays down and she wants to have a conversation in the middle of the night out of nowhere, random conversation. <laughs> I don't know if you've experienced that in my household. They're, they're just random conversations late at night and I'm exhausted. And I just, and, you know, it's a moment to connect with Karen. And if I miss those, if I miss too many of those opportunities, what happens is that our relationship can fall out of love. Even though we live together, we cannot be in love with each other. You ever, you ever run into that in your, in your marriage? Where you exist with someone, but you're not really in love anymore? And so that was the kind of question Jaden was asking, because he, he, he's a snuggler. He's a cuddler. He has to talk. i got to feel love. i got to feel love. This morning, I woke him up, and I got gotten ready for church, and I, hey, buddy. And I, and I went to give him a little hug and a kiss, and he's like, oh, he's like, oh, cuddle it. And I was like, what was that? You want, you want to cuddle? No, your cologne is too strong. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's like, Ooh, back up, back up. Too much cologne, Dad. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just, I want to be a catalyst for him. That I got to change who I am. You know, just yesterday, Karen and I were in a, you know, sometimes you're with your spouse and you're, and you're, and you're, you're nipping at each other. Just, you know, you're not really fighting, but you're like, you're trying to, you're poking a little bit, you're poking. Your irritable voice poking. Not really want, I don't want to get in a full-blown brawl. I just want to chip at you a little bit just because I'm upset about something. You ever do that in your marriage? You're just chipping at your spouse. You don't really want to fight. You're just, just 
chipping at you because I'm annoyed, right? Not at you, I'm annoyed at the world, but I love you, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you heck, you know? Take some of that. And then I'm sitting at the table, and Jane, Jane sits there, comes over and goes, Dad, uh, what was that about? With Mom, what was, what was that about? Not, not, not like angry, like, what was that about? Like, what, what, what are you doing there? I'm like, oh, I'm just an angry son, myself, and the world, and I, I, I don't know if I'm wrong. He's like, oh, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that. I said, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> there is no room for escape in my house. I have to be a catalyst. And my kids are constantly seeing and observing, and the relationship is that they start to question, which is good, because I would never question my dad and how I treated my mom. We didn't even, do, we didn't even go there. You might be flying across the room if you ask that question. So we avoid it. So I'm kind of glad that we have that relationship. And it was awesome. And so priestly parents are, are, are one of John's hallmarks. He's, he grew up with God in mind. And God had a plan for his life. Now, he was the forerunner to Jesus. And John was very popular. People loved him. And you know when you're good at your job? And people love you, and they think you're amazing, and you're the best boss, you're an amazing co-worker, but yet you have to give your responsibility to somebody else. Like, well, I'm not sure I'm going to give that up. You know, there's something to be said about John's character. He knew his job, he knew it was to prepare the way, people loved him, but he got out of the way when Jesus came. He says, he has to become more, and I have to become less. And that's what I love about John. His humility, his character... To say, you know what? I'm a super popular preacher right now, and I'm in my prime. And he, and he steps aside for Jesus. Imagine if he didn't do that. Imagine if there was a, there was a little rumble in the jungle for leadership there. I could have blown the whole message of God. He could have really stirred the pot there and messed things up. But that was not John's character. I think because he had priestly parents, he understood his role, and his message was about change. Now, I don't mind mind you, but I like to change when change is easy. I like to, what I call, I like to tweak things. Not necessarily cataclysmic change, just a little tweak. I like tweaking myself to change versus changing myself. Because to change yourself is really difficult, as you know. I like to tweak, but tweaking doesn't really change much. It's just more cosmetic. For example... I'll sound more respectful, but in my heart, I'm annoyed at you. I tweak. I can tweak my language. Oh, I can say I'm sorry, but not really mean it. Oh, I can act all day long at home. Yes, honey, I should have done I'm so sorry. But in my heart, I'm going, like, it was really your fault anyway. We, we can do that. So I just tweak my language. I'll tweak my tone. I'll tweak everything, but change my heart. And I've done that as a Christian. I've done that as a married man. I've done that as your leader. Going, sometimes I'm annoyed at you and I should tell you what I'm really thinking. Going, hey man, bro, try harder next time. What I really wanted to say was, you need to change or else you're not going to make it. <laughs> sometimes I should say that, sometimes I do. But I hold that very reluctantly to, to share that. I don't share that all the time. But it's things that we do without changing our hearts. And God wants us to change the inside of us. So his message, let's begin. He's out here in, in, in the map here of the Mediterranean world. John is in this area called Judea, and he's preaching in the desert over there, okay? So we're going to look in your Bibles. Turn with me in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, it's on the board for you. If you have a Bible, please open it, because it's great about getting in the practice of opening your Bible and reading your Bible and looking at the words of God. These are ancient words. This is an ancient document. It is an inspired document by God. It is incredible 
to read your Bible. So it says in Matthew, and it's right in the account, looking backwards, on John the Baptist and Jesus. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the desert of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now he said a lot of other things, but the message the author is trying to get to you, and this message was about changing. And the word repent is metanoia, which means to turn, to change the way you think, and because when you think, you change the way you live. It is a powerful word. Not just cosmetic. Not just change your language, Geo, or change your tone, or say the right thing. It is really changing. Repent. And the reason, he says, is the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus is coming to change all things. You know, we don't know when the end will come. That's one thing we don't know. So when you look on the Google search, don't believe that stuff. Because they don't know. Nobody knows. The Mayans didn't figure it out. It's over! It's going to happen! People were selling t-shirts and you were buying them and stuff, right? People were getting rich. Nobody knows. That's what's going to be. That's God's will. He doesn't want anyone to know when it happens. But he does say, are you ready when I come? Are you going to be ready? Will you find faith on earth? So repent for the kingdom of heaven here. So here's point number one. You must change to get to heaven. And we resist change because we want to change on our time. And you have that choice. You don't have to change now. You can change later. But you don't know when the end will come. You don't know when. God respects our freedom. God respects our choices. And they're your choices. It's your freedom. And one thing God does is He respects it. But He will come. And if you're not ready, you will respect His judgment too. Because His judgment will be righteous. It'll be, it'll be just. It'll be right on. Because He is perfect. So He knows. So I have a lot of faith in God. When, when people pass away, did they make it? I don't know if they made it. God is just. God knows more than me. I can't cast judgment on people's salvation. God is the best judge of that. He knows the hearts. So he says, if you want to get to heaven, John says, you must change. And he's speaking to a a group, a very powerful group. He's saying hard things to a group of people that that think that they have their relationship with God on right. And so let's see what happens. So this is he. This is the author talking about John Baptist, who he was. He was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. So in the book of Isaiah, if you were to look this up, you would see a prophecy about a a man that says, A voice calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. So John looked like a wild banshee. He was a. He did not have the latest clothes. He had camel's hair, a leather belt, and he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, some say he could have been, you know, on a special diet. I don't know, but all I know in the desert area is probably what he found was locally to eat was locusts and wild honey, and he had a message. I don't know how long his hair was. I don't know if he combed his beard. All I know and all he cared about was the message of change. And that what was said about him in the past was he will be in the desert preparing the way for the Lord. 
Are you preparing your children to have a relationship with God? Are you preparing them? God respects their decision too. God, God respects their decision. But are you as a parent, are you preparing the way for your children? Are you making the, the call out about God? You know, sometimes it takes a little extra effort to get up in the morning and, and read a scripture to your kids before they go to school. That's what I do. Because I only got 10 years left and then they're gone. They're in college. They don't want to hear me. What do they get to high school? Then they're going to be really annoyed at me. So i got to get it in while they want it now. Because there's going to be a time when they're not going to want it. And John... Did not care, did not care so much about what he looked like. He cared more about what God had to say through him. And here is a powerful message from a prophet, the last prophet of the Old Testament. And he knows about the scriptures. He knows he's that one. He's that voice. And so people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. He was a very popular preacher People were responding to his message. People came forward and they responded. Look what they did here. Confessing their sins. Just for a second. They come into an area. There's John in the Jordan River. And they come there and they start confessing their sins. Now it's one thing to confess your sins to somebody. Imagine they, people know what your sins are. Confessing their sins. They were baptized by John in the Jordan River. I mean, can you imagine that? Say, come here. You want to change? Start fessing up. And that's one practical of truly changing. Is change begins when you start getting real with your life. If you really are serious about change, you start getting real and honest about your life. People live with secrets. People just do. And the only way to overcome those dark habits and vices is to start talking about them. And people would do that with John. They would confess their sins. And they would get baptized in the Jordan River. It wasn't a sprinkling. John wasn't some guy from the temple priest. He was just a prophet. And that's what he would do. And for many people... Change is so difficult because they don't want to give up what they have. It's hard. Because change means you've got to sacrifice something if you really want to change. Unless you want to go cosmetic, plastic surgery. And after a while you look really weird. You ever see the people have plastic surgery? Like over and over and over again? You look like a lizard almost. Like, it's like, it's like, oh, stop that! Don't, does anyone tell this person? You know, we're all getting gray hair and my wife's always trying to hide it. And I'm like, honey, let it go. Let it go. It's okay. I love you. Nothing nothing will change that. I have gray hair. I'm going, it's a shocker. I got carded last week. I was like, I like you. You know, we get, we're going to get old. But let's not make our change cosmetic. Let's not just change our tone and our language. Let's change our hearts. And so I want to show you a video of sometimes why it's so hard to change. No tissue this time. Oh. <laughs> wait, 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 do you have a sound on that? Here we go. Whoa! Uh, I, I really hope you're not dead, because 
buy the tickets to go see Jellyfish Sandwich tonight and... I am not deaf. I am an angel. Oh. An angel of death. Huh. What's with the cloak? Oh, I didn't want to frighten you. I've got big wings. Thanks. Hey, listen, uh... Things are going pretty good for me right now. Uh, is there any way that, you know, maybe I can get a little bit more time? No. Where I'm from, the streets are paved with gold. Uh, ah, I've got a few more. Right? Check it. So you got the flatty, right? And then affliction, alright? I mean, this is what you want. I think it'll really show off your eyes. I mean, it's got the sparkles, the bedazzles. Oh! I'm clothed in radiant light. Okay, alright, you're gonna destroy my retinas. Alright, hey, how about these? You wanna fly like LeBron? Again, the wings. Uh, like fast cars? You go with the speed of thought? I've got it up to 120. <laughs> well, you can take it to go see Jellyfish Sandwich tonight. Two tickets, front row. I mean, I mean, they don't have a heart, but they're pretty good. Look, I work for the creator and designer of all music, of all sound for that matter. Of all matter for that matter. I guess my <laughs> new HD flashing TV over there doesn't do anything for you? 3D. Yeah, so is the Milky Way. You're really a one-upper, you know that? <laughs> we got some pretty cool stuff up there. I mean, not that you'll ever see it. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes the hardest thing to get to heaven is just, you know, you just enjoy what you have in the present life and it's, it's so hard to change what you what you do what you've accumulated what you have your style of this and that and we have a difficult time wanting to change so that just kind of highlights in a humorous way just what we're holding on to the silly things and he tries to compare his treasure with what's in heaven and i guarantee what's in heaven is much more valuable than your treasure because nothing in heaven ever rusts or gets gets destroyed and no one steals your stuff up there yeah. it's an amazing place I read about it in the Bible and I wonder what it's going to be like. And one of my goals as a Christian is to get myself there, to get my wife there, and to get my kids there. To get you there. So I gotta say, I gotta preach messages that sometimes are uncomfortable and not very popular, but they need to be said because I, I care enough about you to tell you that if you wanna change, you have to change from the heart and not your cosmetics. Coming to church does not really mean you're, you really changed. That could be a cosmetic thing. I used to attend church, but I really don't change. I just come to church, but I'm not really changing. So it's cosmetic. It's just like when I try to be, you know, fake smile at my house. You know, fake smile. My, my daughter always tells me that when, I, when, when I'm mad at Karen and, and I, I have to look right in front of the kids. And I smile and Jillian goes, fake smile. <laughs> fake smile. And she knows what she's saying is that your heart's not right. You really don't, aren't happy with mom. You're just trying to code it over. And she goes, fake smile. And I have to stop and apologize for my heart. And that's sometimes difficult. But when he saw many of the Pharisees who were people that were changing on the outside cosmetically, but not on the inside. And Sadducees, they were this, these two groups of people, same thing, priests and, and teachers of the law. One was a teacher and one was a priest. Coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers. Now these are religious people who go to, are in the temple, who are in charge of the, of, the, of the synagogue, of the church. He goes, Who warned you? 
to flee from the coming wrath. They either came to check him out, like what's going on, or they came out to check out, I want to change. I can't really tell. But what he does say is, who warned you, you brood of vipers? That's, that's the language he used. You know, if people came to hear me preach and they, they were distinguished and senators and stuff, I don't think I would say, hey, you brood of vipers, who warned you? I'd be like, wait, it's great to see you guys. <laughs> 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 Get out of the way, bro. We've got a guest here. I mean, don't you think I'd be more like that? Make room. Make sure the chili's good. We have a guest of honor. This is John's welcome to the church. You know, Dave Hodden say that. Welcome, you brood of vipers. Who warned you? I mean, this is the intensity, the conviction of a man who's like, you know what? I have a short window. I'm going to let it out. God, God is, wants me to preach this word. Because later on, he gets put in prison. He does noble work for God. And he gets put in prison. And gets beheaded. And God never rescues him. That's a story of a man with character. God does not rescue even his prophet. But yet, while he was alive and preaching, he made it count. He was a catalyst. And his message was, it needs to be obvious that you're changing. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You ever go to the organic section of the, of the, of the, of the grocery store? They look a little bit more, I don't know, more healthy, right? Versus the regular sometimes. You're going, how long has this been out here? These grapes are all shriveled up. How long has this been out here? Then you go to the organic section or you go to Sprouts. Which I went in the other day. Is the reason why I don't go in there when I saw the, the price tag. There's a reason why I don't shop here. This is one of the brothers. You know, there's something said about the obvious things that you're changing. People notice the difference. They notice cosmetic change, and they notice real change. My kids are keenly aware when I try to cosmetically change my heart in the family, and I'm glad they call me out. I am happy my kids say, fake smile, what's up with your mom? I mean, I am so happy that I have accountability with my children. Because if I didn't, I could ruin my family. I'm glad my kids tell me something. And then my response has to be very humble. I, 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 I always respond, like, yeah, you're, you're right. Imagine going like, Silence, boy. Go upstairs. I, mean, I, would, I would ruin the next opportunity for him to speak up and help me if I just shut him down. So I value my that environment. I value it. I'm not perfect in it, but I apologize when I'm wrong because I want to be a catalyst for change. And I hope you do too. And producing fruit in keeping with repentance is very important if you want to get to heaven. Okay? Now, Matthew 3, verse 9. This is, this is what John says to, the, to, the, to the, uh, uh, the celebrity visitors who come. And do not think, you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father, meaning he's the, he's the Jewish uh, faith leader of, of, of the Jewish people. We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The Acts is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. That is the message he is telling these distinguished guests. You know, who warned you? The axe, I mean, it's about to be chopped. 
You're going to go down. You're not going to make it. He's telling them these things. And it's stunning. He says, if you don't produce fruit, you're going to be cut down and thrown into the fire. What do you think he's hinting at? He ain't hinting about heaven. <laughs> Got that right. But my, me and my kids, we call it the dark place. Because we went to the caverns one time, and they turned off the lights. And the lady said, try to, try to find your hand in front of your face. It was so dark, there was no light. I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. I was like this. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I left there, and me and Jake were talking, we're like, hell might be like that. And I was like, that's scary. That's stunning. I got a little glimpse of total pitch blackness. So I started having quiet times again. It's really awesome. It's really encouraging. Sometimes guys like me, we got a little fire under us. That makes me move a little bit. I'm an athlete. I need someone to you know, bark at me or, or challenge me to do something. This morning, DeJuan tried to challenge me and my, by flexing his, his seven chairs on one arm, seven chairs on the other. He's walking, helping out, helping out set up 14 chairs. <laughs> so I was like, I feel a little challenged by that. DeJuan's a big boy. But I used to be a pretty big boy too in my day. Now I'm, fl- I'm flabby. I'm like a Danish right now, but I used to be strong. <laughs> I got eight in one arm, eight in the other. It says, try me now, boy. And it was hurtful and hard. <laughs> you know, the other day, uh, Karen and I celebrated our 14th year anniversary of marriage. It's pretty awesome. Love that. Love that woman. And I went to Santa Barbara, and the first place we pulled up to was this park. We had, we had packed a lunch. We're going to eat on the eat, eat lunch on the, uh, right there on the beach. And we pulled into this, to this park, and, and it spelled, the park's name was L-E-A-D, better. And I'm like, I'm like, lead better? Is God trying to send me a message? I was like, whoa, this is weird. The first beach is like, lead better. I'm like, whoa, that's, that's pretty challenging. Lead better. Like, lead better. I'm a leader. I'm a, I should lead better? I was like, what are you doing? I'm on my anniversary. Guys, time out. Time out, Lord. Time out. So I asked this, this guy carrying a surfboard. I said, excuse me, sir. I said, what's in this beach? So it's lead better. I'm like, like, not lead better? He's like, no, you're not a local. It's, it's local's called lead better. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm not a local. I'm a loser. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about that. You know, just the little messages that God reminds me of my conscience and my soul. That to be always on the edge of change. Don't sit back on your laurels thinking I've been a Christian 15, 10, 20, 30 years and I got everything figured out. That's your, yeah, that's when you fall in danger. You think you got it all figured out. So here we go. Time is running out. The axe is at the, is at the tree. Like I said, God respects your choices, your decisions. But He also has a timeline for Himself that you don't know about. And the end will come. So we have to be in, in constant stance of preparedness for the coming of Jesus. And that's going to be an amazing event. I hope I'm alive when it comes. I hope I'm alive. But we have to understand that time is running out. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Can you imagine this scene? Jesus comes, and there's John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And you come to me? I mean, here's the Lord, and he sees him. This is Jesus. Now, actually, they're cousins, but they understand each other that he's the Messiah. He's come. He's the guy. Hey, and, John, and then Jesus goes, hey, I want you to baptize me. He goes, no, 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 no. I should be baptized by you. Yeah. And John tried to deter Jesus. You know, imagine the opportunity there that he would have had. Like, here's the Messiah. 
And he, he's all the preaching. He shows up and he says, Now watch. I'm going to baptize the Messiah. It's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Can you imagine the pride? You, you, you meet someone who's famous. You meet someone who's a stud, who has not a lot of character, and you want to baptize him. You're probably just kind of like, wow, that's a pretty awesome guy, man. I was pretty bold that way in the shopping, in the shopping center. I met him, I stayed with him, and then you baptize him. Going, the Lord. I mean, imagine the, the temptation to be prideful. And he tells Jesus, no, I, you, I can't baptize you, man. This is, this is crazy. This is crazy. The humility of John. The humility. His character. I love this guy. Amazing guy. And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. You know, Jesus has to help John understand, it's okay. It's going to be alright. Don't worry. And he, he gets baptized. And the uh, dove comes. And as soon as he's baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened up. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is amazing. Now, the reason why this is amazing because this wasn't just one person hearing this. This was a, a, a crowd of people that heard this. People yeah. were there. Amen. Not just the writer, not just John, not just Jesus. People were there witnessing this. And they said, this is what happened. We heard a voice out of the sky, out of heaven say, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Can you imagine hearing that voice? You know, this scripture right here is something I do with my children. And you can do with your kids too. Tell your son that you love him, your daughter you love him, and tell him that you're pleased with him. Amen. They need to hear that a lot. Yeah. How much you're pleased with them. You know what we're good at sometimes? How much we're not pleased with them. And how much do they hear? I mean, God gives us a great example of his relationship with Jesus. He is my son, I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. Thank you for your effort. That's a great example of a father and son relationship. I love that scripture. And there's John, there's Jesus, there's the voice from heaven. What a powerful moment in Christianity. And sometimes you're asking yourself, well, where's the voice that I want to hear? I need to know that God's calling me. If you were to open your Bible and begin to read your Bible, you will hear the voice of God. You will hear Him saying things to you specifically. And it will change the way you think and it will change your life. So I want to encourage you to read your Bible. God is pleased when we're baptized. He's excited when someone gets baptized. For those who are studying the Bible or about to start in the Bible, I hope that your goal is to get baptized and and, and hear God from Scripture say, Hey, I love you. With you I am well pleased. Great job. That is what God wants of us. So what can we learn? What can you do from this account? We can do a couple things. Number one, you can change. You can change inside, not cosmetically. Number two, you can apply the scriptures to your life. You can can take a scripture and apply it to your life. For example, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it is not rude. Just right, you can stop right there and you can apply that to your marriage. And you can watch your wife go, man, you're an amazing man, I love you. Dinner starts cooking on time, everything's there. flowers are everywhere, this is awesome. Just apply that to your marriage right there. Love is patient, 
Love is kind. Is not easily angered. If you just apply that to your relationship with your kids, with your, with your sister, with your brother, with your mother, with your father, you'll hear God's voice. Simple. Apply the Scriptures to your life. And lastly, you can set up a personal Bible study. You can, you can know someone in church. You can say, hey, I want to do a personal Bible study. I want you to help me read my Bible and understand it because when I read it, I'm confused. That's okay. We'll help you. We can do three things. But we want you to leave here today knowing that you can be a catalyst for change. A change for good. A good that would change you and change the generations that come after you. Let's enjoy the chili cook-off here in a few minutes. Thank you, guys.